Happy Monday, Liberty Kitties. And before we get into today's episode, the 499th episode of the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, my lord, I got to tell you about something going on. Because this is 499, which means next week is 500. However, as you guys know, I'll let you peek behind the curtain. This show is not live. No, it is pre-recorded. And episode 500 is actually going to be recorded tonight, Monday night, February 8th. So you have one last chance to see this two-hour live recording of my 500th episode because you can only see the live version by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. Head over to patreon.com slash Liberty to get access to all of our exclusive bonus audio and video content as well as access to our super secret Lions of Liberty Pride Facebook where the episode 500 will stream. Anybody who watches and comments during that episode will be eligible and will likely win one of the many books I'm giving away from my Liberty Library. So if you want a book from me, come on in, hop on over, come join the pride, patreon.com slash lions of liberty and watch this 500th episode spectacular. There's going to be a ton of special guests. It's going to be a blast. You do not want to miss it. Patreon.com slash lions of liberty. All right, my guest today is returning to the show after, oh my God, nearly five years, which I couldn't believe uh, when I was prepping for this thing. Prepping, in, in quotes, I hardly prep for interviews, you guys know that. Uh, but I am very pleased to be welcoming him back. He is the author of Renegade History of the United States. He is the founder of all things Renegade, Renegade University, uh, the Renegade Media Network, and he is, of course, the host of the Unregistered Podcast. So pleased to welcome back Thaddeus Russell. Thad, are you ready to roar? I'm always ready to roar. Like an animal. You are ready to roar. Uh, why don't we just dive into, this is almost where we left off again, I can't believe, five years ago. I, I literally don't understand how time works. I thought it was maybe two years ago that, that we had last uh, <laughs> talked to each other. Uh, but uh, where we had last left off, we kind of, it was, it's almost like a teaser. You just had to wait five years to get to the other end of it. Well, the good news is, Mark, there's not much to cover I mean, in the last five years. Oh yeah, nothing's, nothing's happened really. Fairly uneventful. So we can cover, what, five, ten minutes so recap and then we can move on. Exactly. To especially this last year has been, has been especially just I can't whew, remember. I can't remember much. What did happen last year? Let's see. One thing we did discuss, and maybe this can tie into to the greater discussion of how, what's been going on this last year or two here, but you know, I, I address something that you talk about a lot. You kind of run in libertarian circles. You're, you know, you, you've worked with the reason people. You have a lot of libertarians on your show. Dave Smith, Scott mm-hmm. Horton, you're definitely, uh, I'd say, a fan of libertarians. Maybe that would be one way to put it, but you always will stop short of calling yourself a libertarian or, or being a libertarian. Mm-hmm. And we kind of addressed that a little bit at the end of the last show five years ago, which you may or may not recall. But I want to dive into that just a little bit more and uh, kind of dig into maybe just the concept of ideologies overall and maybe why you wouldn't want to tie into any ideology, even if it's one that you maybe instinctually might believe in on the surface or agree with often on the surface. But what are the main reasons why you just will never say, I am Thaddeus Russell Libertarian? Ooh, it just, sorry, no offense, but I, <laughs> it, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. Oh, none taken because I, I, well, we'll get into things. I've been drifting away from a lot of these labels as, as, as I have the word liberty behind me on, on my green screen, but <laughs> I mean, I guess I don't like any label, mm-hmm. you know, political label, especially, but it's why, why should you have a label anyway? It, all it is, is you're handing your enemies a box to put you in with which to throw away. I mean, you know, it's um, also, I mean, for me, it's just that 
there's no libertarian I've ever met. <laughs> I don't know how to put this with, with whom I don't have serious enough disagreements that I would not want to identify as such. That's all. And it, and it, yeah, but I'm a fan of many of them, most of them, most libertarians I'm a fan of, many of whom I've learned from. And as I've said, so, I mean, I'll just break it down. I've said this publicly many times. It's, it's, not, that, it's not that strange. When it comes to public policy and economics and my view of the state, my analysis of the state, I am virtually identical to ANCAPs. You know, I mean, I think on those questions, which are very big, um, yeah, I'm an ANCAP. But um, there's much more to life, much more to politics than those things. <laughs> you and may so need to tell that I, to a lot of libertarians. <laughs> yeah, I know. So what I've, you know, what I said on Tom Woods' show is that I'm just trying to bring some new ideas that I think are really good compliments to libertarianism. And But it's my own... I, since about the late nineties, I've been in the process of developing my own worldview, Mark. Like, so I have my own ideology. That's the other reason I don't want to. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to have your own, just your own Thaddeus Russell ideology. You don't have to jump onto somebody else's. Well, ask other people. I mean, ask libertarians if they want to be with me, right. If they want to identify as a Russellian, you know, there's differences. A lot of them are just an emphasis and priorities, but, um, yeah, no, I'm, I want to, uh, I, I have my own I have my own thing here, and it has a lot of overlap with libertarianism, but it is not the same. It is my own thing that I developed before I even knew about libertarians, by the way. So I didn't even I had never heard of Reason magazine until 2007, 2008. Hmm. And I had been since 97, 98, late 90s, I had been developing what is now sort of the Thaddeus Russell point of view, the worldview. So it was a long time, there, about a decade. I had been into this and then I, then I found out about libertarians. I was like, Oh wow. They, they agree with me on a lot of stuff. And I really loved, especially the very consistent principled anti-war position of libertarians, you know, almost across the board. They've been great on that. And that, almost, almost. Yes, I know. I know all the exceptions, but um, so, you know, and things, stuff that I care about the most, which in order is war prisons and immigration, you know, like I, those are the things that bother me the most. And on those issues, libertarians are as good as anyone. And when you say immigration bothers you the most, just in case anybody out here isn't familiar with you, uh, you don't mean immigration bothers you. Sorry. <laughs> you mean immigration laws bother you. Immigration restriction bothers me. Right. Yes. It's, yeah. I'm an op I'm open borders. I'm for open borders. People could take that uh, one of a couple ways, you know. You know, I've also, I would say, yeah, I would also say in the last year or two that I've gotten more anarchistic. I just have sort of anarchist, I realized I have anarchistic impulses, but I wouldn't call myself an anarchist either because I've never met an anarchist I'd want to associate with entirely. I mean, again, it's like I have a lot of friends who are anarchists, but we we have some fundamental differences. And I, I just, I don't know, I don't want to identify as such. And it, why, why, why do that? You know, by the way, libertarianism, the last time I checked was about individualism. Right. So it's collectivist to use a term like libertarian to describe yourself. You're, you're becoming a part of a collective. So collect there's collectivism in law. There's collectivism in culture. That's collectivist culture. And Andrew Breitbart, of all people, but he was right about this, said that law is downstream from culture. So, again, take culture seriously. This is one of the things I've been trying to get across to libertarians. Take culture seriously, because that's where law emanates from. So. You know, why have a culture that's that's collectivist at all if you believe fundamentally in individualism, right? Yeah, no, I agree completely. And just the 
what he said earlier about it, it, you're basically giving them this box, this this box of weaponry of tools to use against you, which is exactly true. It's exactly how it is used uh, against me and uh, many of my fellow cohorts and, and libertarian-esque folk. And the more I go on, the more I realize, more often than not, bringing in the label, whether it's in the beginning of a conversation or later down the road, it more often than not causes a conflict in what might have not when it might have been a conversation that was going well. Uh, it's the addition of the label that makes something that that brings a new element into a conversation that didn't need to be there that now might take uh, a rational dialogue and turn it into oh you're one of those libertarians oh so you believe these yeah. ten th- ten things that I assume that and maybe some of them are true and now we can't really now that conversation has turned into something else. It's also a conversation stopper, mm-hmm. you know. So for a couple of reasons, one is that the culture is anti-libertarian. And the cult, the dominant culture believes that libertarians are weirdos who hate the poor. I mean, I've heard these things. We know this, right? Um, That they're not to be taken seriously, that they're utopian, that their ideas aren't pragmatic, that they want to see the the poor die in the streets, you know? So that's number one. The culture, it's just, you're going to get shut down. You're not, you're going to get dismissed by 99.9% of the culture, right? They will not engage with you if you use that word. They will simply not engage with you. Okay. So strategically, it's a really bad idea. The other thing is, though, you are also, in a sense, declaring to the culture, to the world outside of you, that you've made up your mind on some fundamental questions, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I am a libertarian means I have decided, I have made up my mind on a whole host of things. So, in a sense, you're announcing that you're not really interested in discussing those issues fundamentally, right? And I'm, and what I stand for always, more than anything else, is intellectualism, open inquiry, curiosity. Those are the things that I love and value more than anything. Someone, I am someone who has changed his mind quite radically about politics and many things, by the way, many things, including about myself, who I am, what my life is, what my life means, all sorts of things I've changed my mind about radically. And so I, um, again, why have something that's static, that's fixed, that is your identity. You don't want your identity to ever be fixed. You want to always be moving. This is where queer theory comes in. The queer theorists, the original queer theorists, uh, that's what they were about. They were about, you know, society, the dominant culture has created these categories, man, woman, you know, uh, and man and woman mean straight man and woman. Men are supposed to have sex with women and women are supposed to have sex with men and live in a family. And the queers came along and said, you know, all that stuff is made up. And it simply has served as a prison, not just for not just for gays, but for straights too, because there are a lot of straights who don't have exa- entirely straight preferences, right? But they are, feel shame about those preferences and hide them, and it's not healthy and good for people. So again, labels, get rid of labels. Same thing with sexuality. Same thing with gender. Same thing with all of them. All of it. You know, use them at least very cautiously. And then race is the worst. I mean, why anyone would want to identify as part of some race, which we all agree is not just a social construct, but like nothing but a terrible social construct. Historically, there's never been a good reason for race to uh, to exist as a concept, you know, that was invented in this country. It was invented to justify the enslavement of people. I mean, that's why it was invented in this and and the annihilation of people and the conquest of people and the forced assimilation of people and you know all the things that we've done in the name of race and racism yeah we want to get a, get rid of that entirely and and stop identifying with these things that were made up in order to oppress people and to manipulate and to dominate
When you talk about transforming yourself, like I, I think back to like sometimes I will accidentally listen to like an interview that I, I recorded maybe five or six or seven years ago, and I will think to myself, "Who is that person?" Like I, oh, like I can't even, I can't even listen to it. Like I actually, maybe an interview from maybe a year or two, I can kind of listen to it, and, I, and I'm like, okay, I, I know that guy, that's me. But five or six years ago, it's like it's it's disgusting. It makes me want to vomit because it's, it's, it just doesn't even sound like me. You, I literally sound like a different human being altogether. Not just the things I'm saying. But the way I talk, uh, the inflection in my voice, uh, the whole thing, it it literally, if you didn't know, if I didn't know it was me, I wouldn't even think it was me. So, so was that person, uh, that had many different beliefs and many different outlooks on things, was that the libertarian or is this the libertarian now? Because they're really two different people where maybe I have a base philosophy that if you look at it is the same, but how I would approach issues, how I would talk to people about things it's night and day. So which one's libertarian? Um, you know, why do I need to be in that box? And in many ways, I, uh, over the years, I've often felt that the name of this podcast has hindered us in many ways. I mean, if, if I reach out to a certain guest, I mean, I, usually my guests say yes, almost all the time, because I'm charming or what have you. I have a way with, uh, with email words. But you know, I, I do get a sense some, sometimes that just having that of liberty word that can turn some people off. It's the same thing. Because now, whereas people might have a million ideas about what libertarian is, the same thing with liberty. Liberty, well, it means to me, it means a bunch of things. It means uh, you know, mental freedom, uh, freedom of thought, freedom of expression, a million different things. But to other people, they hear liberty and they think uh, Republican, conservative, racist, MAGA, right. Donald Trump. And suddenly, it doesn't matter what I say. I'm I'm in that box and I'm gone. I, I'm not I'm not even in contention. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, sorry. This is all about um changing who you are over time or you know not recognizing yourself in the past changing your ideas about who you are so you know i'll say something i haven't really i've never said before publicly um which is that when i was growing up from the time i was born basically until i was in my early 30s i had a very sort of fixed firm set of ideas about my childhood and my family and my parents and who they were and what my childhood was, what it meant, you know? And then I did a lot of therapy, a lot of psychotherapy. And cause I had a lot of issues at the time and through the process of the psychotherapy, I was never made to feel any better, but I, I came to have a very, very, really radically different view of what my life was like as a child and what it meant and who my parents were and what kinds of parents they were radically different. Right. And so, um, again, be careful of putting yourself in this static box. Right. And because you can, you can change at any moment, not just in your, your podcasting style over a few years, but fundamentally like who you are, who you were, who you began as, right. You can have very different ideas about that. People who were born in church in a church, right. This is very common who, by the time they hit adulthood, don't even believe in God anymore. This radical reformation of themselves, of their identity. Right. So I think it's really healthy. And I think it's politically strategically wise also to always be a moving target. Absolutely. And that's that's something that I've tried to do with this show, not the title of the show, but sort of how I approach the show, how I approach, you know, I'd say the first three or four years, almost every interview was just, how can I learn more about the libertarian philosophy? How can I dig into this little issue? Uh, how can I look at the idea of like vaccines and, and spend an hour and a half talking to Walter Block about whether an AnCamp society would uh, require vaccines? I mean, and I think that stuff's interesting. I, I love that stuff. I love digging into you know philosophical issues and how they would apply to the real world. Uh, but at some point, it's just like, am I getting anywhere here? I mean, yeah, our numbers grow. We get, we have fans that come on that enjoy the show. But am I, am I getting anywhere here? Am I just going in circles at some point? And, and that's 
so that's, that's what I kind of started to feel like after a while. Um, so my approach in the last year to the interviews has been more just like, I just want to talk about stuff. You know, and I, mm-hmm. I want to talk about stuff that's actually going to empower my listeners to think differently about themselves, about their own lives, about what they about what they're capable of doing in life. And yeah, to me, that's all liberty. So it's okay to be under the lines of Liberty Banner. We have a lot of brand equity that we spend building it up. But I have really wanted to get out of this this box because it is a box. I mean, no matter what, no matter what I do, as long as I'm under this banner, we're starting off either someone has a maybe they have a positive idea about what a lion of liberty might be. More often than not, unless they're already in in the club here, uh, they're probably gonna have a more negative idea coming in. Uh, so yeah. it, it is a it's a it's here we are. I'm also this is probably gonna air as episode 499 of the show. So I'm also almost at episode 500, and I don't know. Maybe by the end of this interview, I'll be I'll be uh, changing the name. Who knows? Or, or changing the brand. <laughs> it's really it's terrible, but it's just true. I mean, I'm sure that because I know a lot of them. There's just basically no progressive who would look at your logo mm-hmm. and the name of your show. And give it the time of day. Yeah, I mean, they, that's would, true. they, would, they would never click on it <laughs> just based on that. Only only a few I know have, but they are close friends of mine. And they just, you know, friends like to listen to things sometimes. But it's not like they listen and go, oh, yeah, I totally. I, yeah, I'm with you. Right. So I've been <laughs> it's more like I listen to your silly podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So I've been telling, you know, my libertarian friends rebrand, rebrand. Um, and in fact, in fact, Buck Johnson, you might know Buck Johnson. Who, uh, I, do, form, I actually form. just interviewed him yesterday. Oh, okay. There you go. So form, well, there, this yeah, is- a, We're back to back in, renegades here. Case in point. So Buck has or had a podcast called Death to Tyrants. And I asked him if he'd be interested in being part of our network that we're starting, our podcast network called Renegade Media. And he said, yes, absolutely. I said, well, guess what? You're going to have to rebrand the whole thing from top to bottom. And here's how you're going to do it. <laughs> and so it's now called Counterflow, you know, which, and the there's no more American flags and screaming eagles and the, and the logo and death to tyrants was a little aggro and Counterflow is still, I mean, he is, he is swimming against the flow, against the tide, against the stream, you know, so it doesn't, it still does justice to what he's about. Yeah, I love how he broke down the, the name of that show too, because uh, he tied it into his, his firefighting career and how he's always running in against the flow of where everybody else is running away from the fire. He's running in. I was like, damn, that's brilliant. That's right. Yeah. Um, plus Buck has a lot more to talk about than just politics. So um, yeah, he's a firefighter. Uh, he takes his health very seriously. And these are things I think that are very popular. And I think he has a lot to offer audiences on those issues. And so I've also urged him, well, really required him <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to explore those things on his show. And it's also encouraged, I, gave an ultimatum to it's pretty much, you know, what nah, no, requ- I mean, to be to be a part of the network and Buck knows this. I mean, this is all open. I mean, I yeah, I said to be a part of our network, I would want you to rebrand in these ways just because I want it to be consistent with my our network and my brand um, and what I'm about. And he didn't have to. He could have stayed as the Death to Tyrants podcast. I just said, you're never going to grow your audience beyond like the whatever, however many ANCAPs there are out, not even libertarians, basically like the radical wing of libertarianism. No one else is going to be interested in it. So um, yes, also I, I, I required that he expand his guest list to include people who are not the, the usual suspects, you know, not, not just, uh, not just the ANCAPs and the, and the sort of right-wing libertarians and the paleo cons in the world, but lefties, liberals, you know, personal trainers, I mean, whatever people like on my show, you know, I have people, most of them are political people, but not all. And I have everybody from communists to socialists, to liberals, to Republican conservatives, to libertarians, to fascists. (laughs) 
you know, <laughs> I've had a couple of people who might be considered fascists. Who's your favorite fascist? My favorite fascist. Um, I'm assuming uh, one that would be called a fascist that you've had on would be uh, Curtis Yarvin. I'm sure you got. He's a not a yeah. He's, I, he's I would not, not call him that, but others. No, would. others no, wouldn't have. Yeah, I, I haven't really had a fascist on. I mean, I've had three people who have been very, very firmly associated with the alt right: Gavin McInnes, Ga sorry, Gavin McInnes, Jim Goad, and Curtis Yarvin. You know, but Curtis is ideas. I mean, if you really read him, it's, it's, he's not fascist at all. It's totally, he's not, he calls himself a neo-monarchist, which I don't even totally agree with either. Uh, but uh, his, his politics are so not scary when you really drill down on them and really understand them. They are really not scary to anybody. So I don't know why, why there's such hysteria about him, but um, yeah. So keep moving. You know, you want to also, don't you always want to be examining your own ideas? Right. And again, so if you say I'm a libertarian or I'm a socialist, it doesn't matter. I'm a socialist. You're sort of saying like, I'm, I'm reluctant to, I'm resistant to questioning, you know, questioning some core ideas. Yeah. It's just, you're dra why draw the circle around yourself, the box around yourself? Don't do it. And non-aggression principle can't be the answer to everything. Um, Even if it's a good thing to live by or a good idea to have, uh, it it's not a response to, to most issues that, that people are going to say, oh, okay, and let's, let's engage further on this. Tell me more about your non-aggression principle. <sighs> yeah, the non-aggression principle, I, well, I it just, I find it silly. I mean, the thing I, you know, Lily Forrester, a lot of your fans will know she is, she's been on my show several times, good friend of mine, but um, I'm sure you, your people know her, but you know, she, she convinced me she start she stopped calling herself an anarchist and just, she only calls herself an agorist now. And I, and that I like a lot, um, because it's about what you do rather than what you don't do. You know, the NAP is about what you do not do. And this is moral claim, which is also kind of silly, but you know, I'm not opposed to the NAP. I just think it's kind of silly, but I think agorism is great. It's about, I engage in counter economics. I buy and sell things and trade things, on the black market, things that are outside the the jurisdiction of the state. And I live a life this way of freedom. It's also an offer. It's also an offer of a new, a new way of living outside the established paradigm. So, you know, I, again, if you're going to label yourself anything, it's, I, I would label it that. And I also agorism is, it's not really an ideology. It's a way of life. You know, it's, um, so it's a little different than saying, you know, I'm, I am attached to these particular ideas about how society should be organized. Yeah, it's a description of, of what you're actively doing and engaging as, and as opposed to just an idea that's sitting there in your head, or, you know, I could sit in my house and do nothing and abide by the non-aggression principle for 30 years. And I've, I've done nothing and, and achieved nothing and contributed yeah. nothing. I'll tell you the other, the other reason I don't want to use a political label for myself is that I don't want, I want to be out of the business of prescribing politics for other people. Right. And so when you say you're a libertarian, you're, you're implicitly saying, well, I think society as a whole should be organized in particular ways. And I don't like I if if uh, if some country wants to become a, a communist country by itself and not and leave me alone, I support their right. Like when California threatened to secede in 2016, you know, because after Trump's election, I said, great, let them do it. You know, there's no doubt they would have gone after some sort of like social democratic regime here. You know, oh, yeah. I guess. Guns would probably be banned altogether or, or close to it in, certain, yeah, in I, certain parts. I said, let them do it. Let them let them have their little New Deal Republic, whatever it would be, you know, and um, and we will see. So, yeah, um, 
I don't want to, I don't think my ideas are correct or right or true or good for anyone else necessarily. I think they might be. And all I do is I put them out there as an invitation. And if people are attracted to my ideas, well, let's have a party, you know, <laughs> but that's it. And I mean that let's, let's have fun. Let's talk. And maybe we can join together. Maybe we can have a community together. Maybe we can do business together. Maybe we can have live together, even form a actual physical community. I mean, this is what I'm doing with Renegade University. Ultimately, I want to establish, you know, a, an alternative place, set of places to be. I want cities within cities, Mark, you know, even in the, even in a place like the Bay area in Los Angeles, where it seems like it's hopeless. Right. Um, I want to have a city within a city here. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to build very much. Yeah. Let's dig into more of that. That's one thing I, I want to talk to you about uh, because, you know, you live in Northern California, like the Bay Area. I'm here in Los Angeles. Uh, either way, they're not. It's not the kind of place. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. It's 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 not what people outside of here often make it out to be. Yeah, the, well, taxes are high. Sure, uh, there's like quote unquote progressive policies, but at the at the end of the day, that's just a part of the spectrum that's not so drastically different from what you see in other states. Yeah, some other states maybe you have zero percent income tax. Okay, what have you. It's not the commie California aspect that has really gotten me down, at least in the last year. It's really just the lockdowns and not even the government's response to coronavirus and the government's response to lockdowns, but the people around me and the people around us and how they're acting because I'm yeah. not afraid of the government. I'm really not. I'm afraid of my fellow man. I'm afraid of like the the collective of people that are surrounding me that are going to call the government because they don't like how I'm behaving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the culture of the place is the worst for me too. The and the masking has made it just I don't know, constant, uh perva all pervasive. It's um I feel shamed walking outdoors, you know, just when I don't if I don't have a mask on. I mean, people give me side. Well, I've been yelled at now 6 times, by the way. All, always outdoors, always outdoors. I've, I've only gotten the, I, get, I definitely get the looks because I go out and walk my dogs and I, yeah, we have a mask mandate. I guess technically I'm not putting a, a mask on to walk my dogs alone. I'm not doing that. That's absurd. So I just walk around my neighborhood and I've never have been yelled at, but I can definitely, first of all, I will see people, they'll be coming at me with their mask. Maybe they have dogs, maybe they don't. As soon as they see me across the street now, whereas those yeah. people used to, you know, so we used to walk, interact, our dogs might play for a second. Uh, now right. across the street, whereas or other people will see me and you can just feel the, the glare. It's like this mix of fear. Mm -hmm. um, maybe a little bit of jealousy. I don't know. It's I, I want to think that maybe they just wish they could, they were, they had the, ball, the balls to not wear a mask, but they really think they need to for whatever reason. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a feeling you can't really put a, maybe you can put more of a precise label on since you've actually been like literally yelled at by people. But what, what, what have some of those experiences been like? It's judgment, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, um, yeah, it's uh well, you're really nice to not be wearing a mask. You're really nice. People got that once with my girlfriend. Yeah, it's uh, it's judgment. So listen, they know, and I'm not exaggerating. This is true. They associate people who don't wear masks with people who support Donald Trump, and they support people who support Donald Trump with Nazis and the Ku Klux Klan. Am I exaggerating? No, no I would say not. You're not exaggerating. That is not an exaggeration whatsoever. You know, Don Lemon on CNN gave an extended speech saying exactly this just the other night. Um, and he is loved and watched and loved by millions and millions of Americans. But this is what Democratic Party leaders are saying. This is this is this is the whole new domestic terrorism thing trope, right? You hardly ever see a comment about a mask or what anything about how people are behaving in relation to the virus uh, without the word like ignorant or hick or or 
conservative idiot or MAGA Trumper or some one of those words kind of tacked on there as if they must clearly be all all be associated with the same thing. Yeah, I mean, but let's 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 just back that up. Let me just say this again. Let's let's let this sit sit with us. So wearing not wearing a mask in public has been associated with being a Trump supporter. And being a Trump supporter has been associated with being a member of the Klan or or the Nazi Party. Okay, so so that's pretty heavy. That's pretty heavy. Uh, they put a whole lot of weight on you not wearing a mask outdoors. By the way, when there is exactly zero evidence that the virus can be transmitted that way, outdoors alone, like even if you're alone, you will get the, the, these looks and get yelled at. I know, I know, I know. So that's where we are as a society. Okay. And, and they're talking about not just 75 million, because I didn't vote for Trump. You know, I would never vote for Trump. I would never vote for anybody. Also did not, innocent as well. Most, most certainly would not vote for Trump. And um, so there's 75 million plus Trump voters. So it's not just them. It's them plus people like us, right? That's, that's the picture they have painted. That's what how they are going to govern, I suppose. I guess they are basically threatening this, that they will be treating... All of us who don't wear masks or we're actual Trump supporters as internal enemies, internal enemies who need to be censored, by the way. That's what you do to internal enemies. You censor them. Well, don't know. Don't worry. There is another solution. Uh, they can also reeducate people and sort of show them the error of their ways. And um, perhaps that mm -hmm. takes place in a place that has some bunk beds and some playgrounds. And I don't know. But there's possibilities out there. I don't know what they act. Well, I want to, I'm curious what they really have in mind that Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin, who released that video a couple of weeks ago saying that we need to reeducate all the Trump supporters. She didn't use that term, but of I mean, course that's AOC right. literally used the term AOC. truth and reconciliation. And AOC. So, I mean, they haven't spelled it out. I want to know right now. <laughs> I want to know right now what they have in mind specifically. No, it's not going to be concentration camps. I don't think they're going to be that knuckleheaded about it, but you know, I, I would imagine there's going to be increased funding in public schools to teach civics in a new way. And to, well, this has already happened in, in certain states. In California, they already have it. Misinformation, or what's it called? They're going to teach. It used to be fake news. Now they're going to be teaching what misinformation is. And misinformation and disinformation uh, is asking questions about elect electoral integrity, apparently, and whether masking is effective in public. So that that is disinformation, which disinformation is a military term used to describe enemy propaganda. So if I've I'm I am by definition an uh, internal enemy, domestic terrorist, uh, and I engage. I I uh, am a purveyor of disinformation. I mean, I am according to those definitions. So come and get me. Come and get me. All right, kitties, we got to take a brief little time out here because if you see the bleakness of the current situation in the United States, if you have just had it, then I need you to stop what you're doing for one second. Stop this podcast. Go over to the very same podcatcher you're listening in and go search for the X. Pat Money Show, hosted by my good friend, Mikkel Thorup. He has been on this program multiple times. There is no one, and I mean no one, more equipped to educate and inform about the expat life, about starting a life outside this country, whether that is literally picking up and moving and getting your stuff and go, like Vin Armani would recommend, or if it's just start setting up a plan B, setting up offshore banking, uh, setting up a second passport, so when the time comes, you can just get your shit and go. So I want you to go ahead and subscribe right now to the Expat Money Show. You're not going to regret it. <laughs> It seems more and more like that 
people like us out there who are, I don't know, in our in our world, we're putting out information. We're putting out truth or what we see as truth or just engaging in dialogue. But now engaging in dialogue has actually become, again, if you wear a mask or you engage in dialogues with people who might talk about being against masks or if, if you're even a, a progressive, but you have Gavin McGinnis on your show or something, the, the connection just becomes more and more and more to the point that I don't even know who's going to be left at some point because at some point the whole thing has to turn in on itself because everybody's connected to something that can be construed as bad. If you don't, if maybe you wear a mask, but your, your dad's your, your dad doesn't. So he's got to go. We got to, we got to talk to him. Um, and if, if only it was relegated to the schools, I might think there's a little more hope because you can just pull your kids out of school. Even most people aren't going to, but it's not, it's also corporate. Like the, these, you see the same 500 emails from the same 500 corporations that are almost word for word, whether it's uh, about Black Lives Matter, whether it's about uh, protecting voting rights. Um, I, I work for a somewhat large corporation in my day job, and I have had to undergo training exercises and uh, mm. videos that I have to watch and agree that I understood the content of about mm-hmm. unconscious bias and this sort of thing. This is coming at us from from every single angle uh, mm-hmm. to the point that it's just it's just what's going to feel like normal to most people so that when if you do disagree with these things, you're not just mm-hmm. taking like a, an alternate political stance. You're actually so abnormal that maybe you need to be talked to further. Maybe you need to be pulled to HR or pulled to wherever and, and be, you know, mm-hmm. be spoken to. So liberals in the 1930s gave up on universal health care because of the opposition to it by conservatives and Republicans and a lot of the Democratic Party. In fact, Eleanor Roosevelt wanted it and the Roosevelt's probably would have pushed for it if they could have gotten it. So, but they settled instead for outsourcing it to employers, right? So most people in this country get their health insurance from employers. And so the state doesn't have to do that. Well, looks like they are outsourcing moral training as well now. They're outsourcing moral training to corporations, to private entities, to employers. And I think that is where we're really going to get hit by it. So those of us, thank God, who are freelance, you know, probably will be mostly free of this. But if you are employed by a corporation like yours that you that you are employed by, you are almost certainly going to get training that is moral, moral training, how to think, how to behave. Uh, how to vote, what to say, what not to say, and not about, you know, not about not insulting people, not uh, harassing women, but about things like, you know, how to how to treat a pandemic and whether or not the election in this country was free and fair. Um, that's what's at stake now, you know, is questions like that, not about using words to it that might insult people, which, you know, that that sort of there's something legitimate there, but now we're talking about pure political questions. Right. I, I might have rolled my eyes at some things in the past, but at the end of the day, it's like okay, if if you want to tell people that you work in the workplace to you know be respectful towards women or not be racist or okay, I'm I'm like I'll watch that video and I'm like I'm not that's how I want to act anyway, so nah, I won't really right. resist that too much. But now when it's about the rule, I mean I I watched one that it, they didn't say vote for Democrats. But they basically said vote for Democrats. I mean, it, it was that yeah. if you know what you're looking for in the language, it's it's so clear. And to, to yeah. see that coming from an employer and to realize that I'm just one person and that there's millions of people not in this one company, uh, several other companies that are all getting the same memos, the same videos, the same information mm-hmm. and pushing it on to people. It's like, 
who are these these 20 I'm, I'm thinking less about me i can watch the stuff and see the propaganda and see through it but like you know 20 year olds people that are just getting out of college and, and going into their, their first jobs in these in these companies and if they made it if they even made it out of college remotely remotely you know with their heads on straight at all at that point but now they're going right into this more propaganda into new propaganda and it's just are they ever going to get away from it right yeah so we're not allowed to ask whether universal lockdowns are necessary in response to a virus that we know kills only a very specific part of the population, okay? So we are suffering under universal lockdowns. This is a massive reconstruction of the political economy of our society. So we're not allowed to ask whether that's a good thing or not. It's assumed that it's good and we can't ask about it. And we can't ask about how the people who made the, make those decisions get elected there. <laughs> Well, I mean, this is totalitarianism. This is, I've never said this before about America. We are living in a totalitarian moment. It's not fully totalitarian. We're not there yet, but that is most certainly the language that's being used. That's most certainly what they're calling for. It's totalitarian in those massive aspects of our political life, whether we should have universal lockdowns right now, whether we should shut down the economy right now and force everyone to wear masks, and whether we are we are actually picking our leaders and instead of some activists in particular cities and counties who are doing it by stuffing ballot boxes. And by the way, this goes for Republicans and Democrats. They're both fully capable and have uh, been guilty of lots of electoral fraud in the past. I don't know why we can't talk about it now. I'm really, really shocked by this. Um, yes, the courts have thrown out the cases uh, that Trump and his people have, and just allies of Trump have brought to the courts, but that means that, Trump, that the courts have not heard the evidence. That's what that means. When a court doesn't hear a case, that means it is not hearing all of the evidence. It hears what it wants to hear, and then based on that, it chooses whether or not to hear the full case. So the evidence has not been heard or seen in a court yet. So there is for people to say it's absurd to believe that there was electoral fraud because the courts have thrown it out is just not sufficient. Or they, they it would all, it'll always say uh, Trump claims, and then in, in capital letters with no evidence whatsoever, and then it'll go on to just you know talk about election fraud and how there's no evidence of it. But and maybe yeah. there is, maybe there isn't. But to act like it's been vetted or aired out or truly looked at is nonsense. And I think it's really interesting when my, uh, and you, you kind of had this conversation a little bit with uh, Katie Herzog in a recent episode uh, when you were asking her like you know. If you really, well, I guess she she kind of denied. I think that that a lot of Democrats or most Democrats actually thought that Trump wasn't a legitimate president. But that's that's certainly the impression I get from my friends out here. So maybe it's all just about the circles you run in. Course, but yeah. she she kind of said, no, I wouldn't want to rig the election if I knew that he was Hitler or I I thought Hitler had come into power. And I'm just thinking, well, well that seems crazy. Like of course of course you would. You would you don't want to stop Hitler. Uh, I'll I'll stop Hitler. But uh, I, one really funny moment to me in that part was when you said, oh, like you. You, wait, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to stop Hitler? Like she's like, even if you knew he might get elected here, and she said like, no, no, I, I believe in democracy. And your response was just, oh, oh, okay. And I, I just <laughs> laughed so hard because the, that was basically my response to like, oh, I don't, I don't even know what to tell you then. <laughs> if you believe yeah. in, if you believe in democracy so hard that Hitler's cool, if that's the result, then maybe democracy is well, really not that great. I guess if I had been aggressive and followed up on that, I would have said, um, but did you favor going to war to remove Hitler because the United States did? Right. right. So, I mean, right. Yeah, if you believe stuffing in, ballots, no, but bombing the hell out of cities on the way. Sure. Well, that, that you seems, believe in democracy. Reasonable. So you want, you would, you wanted them 
to have the right to elect Hitler, but then you were going to go to war and just and destroy <laughs> half the country to reverse that decision. So yeah, I, liberals have not thought through these things. <laughs> I think say that, that. is clear. Uh, Thad, one thing I've been uh, thinking through, like when you're talking about totalitarianism, I mean, I, I think it is here in the sense that everything's a, a continuum. I mean, it's it's probably was here 50 years ago to some extent, and now it's a lot, lot, lot more here now. And maybe in five years, we'll look at now and be like, oh, yeah, it was already we were already there then and we're there now. Uh, mm-hmm. But one thing I've been thinking is like I, I've realized now. Maybe I was a little naive in the first five or six years of podcasting where I really thought I could change the world with my podcast. And I think I can in the sense of, I mean, I know I, I've had people reach out to me like, wow, this interview really, really affected me. This change, I think on an individual level, yes. Like, yes. of course, I wouldn't be doing this conversation right now if I didn't think I could affect anything at all. Yes. Uh, yes. But I, I'm, I have become convinced I can't really affect the grand scale of where things are going. Um, I, I can't really combat you know hundreds of corporations towing the same line. I can't combat like nearly everybody I know towing the same lines that they're thinking. So I have been weighing this, you know, I just turned 40. I just got married. I'm really looking at like, what's the best thing for myself and my family in my life? Like forget philosophy, forget what's the, how do I protect myself? Like, how do I protect myself from this world? And there's a lot of different options that I've been looking at that others have been looking at, whether it's leaving the country, whether it's just leaving Los Angeles. Uh, And then I also think, well, what am I, does physically moving really escape you from the the greater thing that's going on? Maybe it does in some circumstances. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, but your approach has just been, I'm going to hunker down and I'm going to build a community and build my own community here. So why don't you kind of dig into that a little bit more about what your plans are to sort of just, you know, build your own community within within the grander scope of the Bay Area, the uh, totalitarian, crazy, masky uh, Bay Area. I'm going to give it a try. You know, we'll see. But yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I have through Unregistered, which is now almost four years old and Renegade University, which is almost four years old. Um, I have built a community, you know, there are thousands of people who listen to the show, but then there are many, many hundreds who are actual members of Renegade University or members of the unregistered underground, which is the supporting listeners group or are just, you know, ardent fans of the show and are in contact with me and on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there's just hundreds and hundreds of people in this community. Uh, and, I happen to know that a lot of them live right here in the Bay Area. So, and they live everywhere, but I'm going to start having free just meetups with people. And from that, see what we can do, see what we can establish here. But I certainly at the very least want to have events in the Bay Area that um, are for our community parties. We've already actually had a couple. Parties uh, are important. Yeah, we went to we went to the beach. It was really great, actually, over the summer. Um, but um, and then um yeah, I mean, have maybe physical spaces where we can where we can meet. You know, I think once you start to again, collectivism is great for certain things, right? When you're establishing a voluntary group like this, a voluntary movement, yeah, everybody can do it in their own city. You know, and I want to do that. I want to have in every city. I want to have an RU unregistered community that meets on a regular basis that does lots of stuff. And also, by the way, agorist trading. You know can also happen. We're, I want to facilitate that. The more stuff we can do autonomously, the better. Communications, currency, trade, all of it. You know, We can now, through technology, we can do that sort of separate and apart from what the state controls or oversees. So now's the time. Now's the best time to build communities. They're also, they can also be global. You can be in a community with like you and me, you know, you're hundreds of miles away, but we're talking, we're looking at each other right now. And 
So, um, but I want I want physical contact. We are now all very hungry for that. I think physical direct contact with, contact with people. So I want to do that right away. In fact, we are going to do that right away. But that's what it looks like. It's just, and we don't know what it, what it, where it's going to end up. But it's just just get together, everybody. Just get together right now. Despite what the state tells you, despite what the how many people will shame you on the street, you know how many people will call you a super spreader. Just do it. Get together, form a community, and make plans and do stuff. And there you go. Some people might say like, like, well, Thad, like that sounds awesome. That sounds great. But why, why to try to build the physical part there in San Francisco in the Bay area? Why try to do this here in California? Why not at least get yourself to a place where they don't have crazy mask rules or where they don't have lockdowns or, you know, why, why do you want to stay in this physical place while building these communities that are, you know, both online, but also, you know, within that physical area as well? Because I will not let them take my hometown, Mark. No. I will not let them take this. I will not let them seal this off to me and people I care about. I will not let them make this into a place where only millionaires and homeless people can live. I grew up here. It's beautiful. There are things here that are not available in the rest of the world. I want to have access to that. I demand to have access to that. I will not be kept from this. And we now, as I said, we can develop a whole new counter economy even, right? Where we live outside of all of the formal networks, all the official networks. We can build our own city within a city. And I wanna do it right here because San Francisco, this Bay Area is a place I love. And it's a place where you can't, there's things here that you can't find elsewhere. And we should not let them just take them these places from us that we care about, where we want to live. And we can do it. We can now live in places like this. We can actually find a way to do it. So let's go. What, so what's your idea for, okay, like you can build your own communities and you can escape in the sense that you're going to plant your flag and you're just going to say, no, this is my town. You're not going to take it from me. You're not going to run me out of here. But at the same time, how are you going to, like, I don't see this personally. I don't see this mask stuff going away. I think it's gone from, yeah medical advice to it's a cultural thing now especially in places like this where it's it's clothed it, it's like you see like um uh, shepherd fairy-esque paintings of like people in masks now or you, you go to we went to vegas a few weeks ago and there's a mask on the statue of liberty at new york new york i mean it's it's embedded in the culture and i think more extremely in places like like here and and like the bay area like how do you escape from that stuff how do you escape from the from everybody surrounding you who doesn't give a shit about your community building who doesn't give a shit about what, what you're doing with renegade university uh, from screaming at you every time you leave your house without a mask on. Insignia. We will have signals. We will wear things. When we have to wear a mask, we'll have a, some sort of symbol on our mask. The smiley face, Ivor Cummins, who was on my show, he suggested this. There's a movement of people who wear the smiley face to show that they don't believe in the bullshit of lockdowns and masking. And so that we know then we will see each other Right. Mm. We will when, even when we're walking in the, when we're in the grocery store and you can't tell, you feel like everybody believes in this bullshit, but you know that there's got to be somebody in this grocery store who's on your side in this. Right. So now we know. Right. And you'll feel less alone. You'll feel that community right there and you can give a little high five or a, shake their hands or give them a hug or give them a kiss even. Right. So that's what we're going to do. It's not, there's ways, you know, again, queer. I love that idea. I love the idea of, you know, seeing someone picking out lettuce and seeing, you know, the smiley face on his mask and just going up and giving him a big bro hug in front of everybody. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Gays and lesbians, again, taught us how to do this. So gays and lesbians, when the closet was a thing, you know, for decades and decades, they came up with all sorts of ways to signal who they were. And that's how they 
That's how they facilitated their life. That's how they facilitated their sex lives and, and their romantic lives. We can do exactly the same thing. It's, uh, it's not a secret. It's the opposite of a secret. It's just signaling that we don't believe in this and we have a community and I'm here for you. Hey, kitties, I got to take one minute before we wrap up this interview to tell you about our friends at Lauren Zotti Italy. Do you like coffee? Do you like premium Italian coffee? Do you like it affordably delivered to your house? Well, guess who does that? Our friends at Lorenzotti Italy. You can find them at lorenzotti.coffee. That's lorenzotti.coffee. I will also link to that in today's show notes. And I really want to encourage you to support these guys because they are not just fine connoisseurs and procurers. Is that a word? Procurers? Procurers? You know what I'm trying to say of fine Italian coffee. But they are also great libertarians, great supporters of this program, patrons of this program uh, for over a year now, as well as great entrepreneurs and people who help others. So they also, in addition to getting fine premium coffee delivered to your house, they can also help you set up your own coffee business, whether it's uh, getting equipment, getting financing, trying to set up your own coffee shop. These are the guys to go to. So they really are a one-stop shop for whether you're a coffee lover or whether you're trying to get into that niche as an entrepreneur. So please do check out our friends at Lauren Zotti Italy at laurenzotti.coffee and use discount code LIONS for 10% off your order. What I really fear is uh, just like how how the younger generations grow up if, if, as I also fear, that masks don't really go away, that they become just something you're supposed to do for general health. Like you're supposed to not spread germs, so you're supposed to wear masks. And if you don't, maybe you're a, a you know Trump, Nazi, KKK, what have you. Uh, but I, like I saw a video a few weeks ago where it showed uh, it was like a compilation of videos of babies like literally maybe between six months to two years old mask max of them having their masks taken off and when their masks are removed they start freaking out and start crying and start going nuts because they've been taught and told that the mask keeps them safe and now and at that young age i mean that is the age that you're just the most impressionable i mean your entire life basically stems from things that happen to you at that age like how are those people going to grow up they're going to grow up thinking like not they might do a lot more than yell at you if, if you're not wearing a mask i mean they might actually think you're putting them in literal danger and take some sort of action and then when when an entire generation is growing up like that i don't know it's scary that's all i have to say about it i i just have to hope that you're wrong me too i love being wrong in this circumstance i have no argument um against what you're saying you know it, it could be very well be the case that we will all be japanese girls in the future right all right and back in the day not too long ago it was only japanese women it seemed like maybe chinese women too um who were wearing masks and we all thought they were weird for doing that. And it could be that this will be the mainstream now in America. Um, it's, it's just such a horrible thing to contemplate. I just, I'm going to just assume you're wrong and go forward as if you're wrong. But if you're right, I like your I, idea. I should, I'll go with me being wrong too. That would be better forever. But as you said, I mean, or as I said, sorry, we have, we have an answer to that too, where we can at least find each other out there mm -hmm. in the, in the, in the world of maskies <laughs> and commune and commune. Community is everything. We must have our own community. You must. Well, uh, if you are someone out there who agrees with Thaddeus and then really likes the idea of building your own community, you may also want to get involved in the Renegade community. So why don't you just do the whole roundup there, Thad, of everything you got going on. It's uh, it's Renegade everything. Yeah, Rene Renegade University, Renegade History of the United States, Renegade Media Network. Uh, maybe we'll have Renegade Lawn Mowing Services, Renegade Babysitting. Who knows? Who knows where this is going to go? But uh, lay it all out there. There's also unregistered, so that's my podcast. Yes. Yeah, the unregistered podcast. 
And yeah, go to renegadeuniversity.com. And all you have to do is just join up for a mailing list. Just sign up for the mailing list and you get all the information or you can join. And it's uh, $49 is the lowest tier. And you can take courses. You can take office hours with me. You can talk to me one-on-one, all sorts of stuff we have to offer. But we have a whole, go to the site. You'll see we have dozens of courses now and we have webinars coming out. Uh, we're going to have a webinar soon on 3D printed guns, how to make your own guns. And we have courses on the history of hip hop coming up. That's next week, starting next Tuesday with the great Kamasi Hill, who taught our course with me on the history of African-American culture. Kamasi is a PhD in African-American culture, and he's doing a three-week course on hip hop, history of hip hop. It's going to be amazing. Hotep Jesus is taking the course, by the way. He's that big of a fan of it. Hotep Jesus is one of our biggest, uh, most famous students, and he's, um, he's out there promoting for us too. So go to RURenegadeUniversity.com, join up on our mailing list, check out the courses, take them if you like them and um, listen to Unregistered. All right, Thaddeus Russell. I, I also want to uh, recommend that, that as well, listening to Unregistered, especially uh, if you are a libertarian and you feel like you are, you know, sort of set on your ideology. Like uh, what I love about your show is I always feel challenged, whether it's by something you said or something a guest said. There's all there's not one episode I listen to where I don't take a minute to pause and, sit and like either rethink a position or just think about something deeper wow. or look at something in a, in a way I didn't look at it before. So hi, wow. one of my highest recommendations out there is the Unregistered. That's podcast. the best thing i can hear that's that's all i want that is that is all i want from the audience it's great mark thank you so much awesome thanks dad it's been a blast all right man talk yeah. to you soon okay let's Bye-bye. make it uh, less than five years next time <laughs> okay absolutely <laughs> cool man take care all right folks and that's it that's 499 episodes of lions of liberty heaven permitting there will be an, a spectacular 500th episode sitting for you right here one week from today uh but just want to thank everybody out there because when I first started this podcast, I had no idea it would get to 500 episodes. I literally just kind of started this thing on a whim and had been brewing in my mind for some time. Got the opportunity to interview Stefan Kinsella about intellectual property, kind of out of the blue, and I just decided to hit the record button. We, it wasn't even offered as a podcast interview. It was just offered as, as a conversation because I had some questions about it, and uh, that turned into me recording it as a podcast interview and publishing it as the first episode of Lions of Liberty. Uh, so we're going to be looking back on the seven-plus years, on the 500 episodes of this show, on episode 500, which will be airing next week in some sort of edited form, but the very unedited, very live, very off-the-cuff version will be available only to members of the Lions of Liberty Pride, the people who have supported us, who have helped us to build this show up over the years. We would not be here without you guys. I mean, the fact that we can come and do this show and we don't have to worry about the cost of our hosting, the cost of our website, the cost of our marketing, it's all covered by our patrons. It's all covered by people who believe in the message of liberty, believe in what we're doing here at Lions of Liberty, and that just means so much, not just the people that uh, support us financially, but all of you who listen, all of you who download the show, all of you who share the show, all of you who tweet about the show, all of you who've left a five-star rating and a great review, even if you just clicked on this one episode this one time and you happen to hear this guy ranting about it, I appreciate you too, because each and every one of you have been a part in keeping this thing going. Uh, again, I did not set out to grow this into this, uh, you know, giant of a libertarian podcast in the liberty niche. I did not set out to really make anything of it. I didn't know what I was doing. I just kind of started a podcast and it sort of somewhat took off on its own uh, organically and in many ways um, thanks to the inspiration and the help of my friends, Brian McWilliams, John Odermatt, thanks to them kind of hopping on board, adding their own unique take to things, helping us form the liber- greatest libertarian variety show on earth 
uh, has been a huge part of it as well. So I want to definitely thank Brian and John and all the guests who have appeared over the years. You're going to be seeing and hearing from a lot of them on episode 500. So again, if you're listening to this podcast the day it airs, you have just a few hours to sign up. And I, I, I recommend not waiting to the last minute because uh, as is often the case with these Dave Smith debates, I've got a lot of people trying to pour in, trying to get in the Facebook group. I'm trying to manage. I'm trying to get them in. We do have our social media guy, Justin Campbell, who will be trying to help people get onboarded uh, during as well. But if you're thinking about getting in, I recommend just getting in right now and you'll be able to get access to the live show through the secret Facebook group. And anybody who can't get into the Facebook group, I know some people just don't like to use Facebook. uh, You will still get the full unedited version of the show uh, via Patreon either way. So again, just head over to patreon.com slash lions of liberty and you get to access this spectacular 500th episode live recording. I'm very, very excited about it. A couple other things I'm excited about that I may as well mention while I've got your ear here are the other projects I'm putting my efforts into, including the Second Print Comics podcast, my weekly look along with good friend, good libertarian, Remzo Martinez at the comic book characters, events, stories that inspired our fanhood. And uh, this is not a political show, my friends, but if you know us and you know where we're coming from, you can hear this stuff kind of seep through into everything we talk about, and that is certainly the case over on the Second Print Pod. So if you've ever been into comics, ever thought you might be into comics, if you've watched the Marvel movies, want to know a lot of the origins of where this stuff comes from, I just want to encourage you, please do head over and check out the Second Print Comics podcast. Just search Second Print, and you got to spell out the word second, my friends. The 2ND will not do it. Second Print Comics podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Check that puppy out. Also, I am now writing somewhat irregularly and hopefully more and more regularly as time goes on. I am doing that over on Substack. You can check that out at markclair.substack.com. Don't forget, it's Mark with a C. M-A-R-C. M-A-R-C. C-L-A-I-R dot substack.com. Subscribe now to get inside Mark Claire's mind. And of course, keep coming back here three times a week. Every single Monday, you got me here with the flagship. Brian McWilliams slaps you upside the head with his weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty every Wednesday on Electric Liberty Land. Had a great interview with Dave Rubin last week. You got to check that out if you somehow miss it. While John Odie Odermatt wraps things up. No, not on Fridays anymore. On Thursdays with his show, Finding Freedom. It is the next evolution of Felony Friday. You got to check out Finding Freedom. He's doing a bang-up job with that one. And that's all I've got, my friends. Until next time, until next week for episode 500, I ask you to only do one thing, and that is to live long and live free.